And now, the moment you've all been waiting for. You're tuned in to Tapped Out. Hosted by Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine. Only on the BetQL Network. It is 2024 and it is tapped out right here on the BetQL Network. We appreciate you checking us out on the Odyssey app. Maybe you got us on YouTube. That's Brendan Tobin. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. Behind the scenes, as always, our producer, Jake. BT, uh, did your old ass make it up to midnight on New Year's? No. No. I actually had a, uh, I had like a head cold or something. So after uh, watching the Ravens just completely throttle the Dolphins, I just took uh, a bunch of NyQuil and went night-night. Hey, speaking of the Dolphins, it's funny because producer Jake's from Philly. He's a huge Eagles fan. I'm in Kansas City. I'm a big Chiefs fan. You're in Miami, big Dolphins fan. I'm pretty sure all of our teams suck. Like at one point, I was ribbing both you guys. Oh, the Chiefs. It, I don't. I don't believe in my team. Do you believe in yours? I still believe in my team. I still think that. Uh, I, I. I do believe that they've had a lot of uh, bad injuries and bad timing. I don't know if they're as good as the Ravens, but um, you don't you know? know. I think they can. You don't know. There's I don't know. Question. I don't know. There's still a question. Yeah, it's still okay. a question. So one game sample size. We'll we'll see what happens when it comes to the AFC Championship game. They got three weeks to fix it, dude. That was an old fashioned, passionate ass whooping. They got destroyed. All right, we'll talk about some other beatdowns because it is a fight show. Speaking of, Conor McGregor says that he's going to fight Michael Chandler coming up in June. Do we believe him? Do we think that this is just maybe that wine that he was drinking? And are we sure that Michael Chandler is going to be his opponent because that just keeps changing? Uh, I still believe Chandler's the guy. I don't know if I believe his announcement because the 185 thing's a little bit weird. I don't think Dana would have this fight be at 185. Like, if Connor can't make weight and that's where he's got to fight at, like, then I don't know. Like, what do you have? Like, we're really gonna have Connor McGregor be in the middleweight division. It just sounds kind of crazy to me. So. I don't know if I believe all of it. I do believe eventually he'll fight Michael Chandler if he fights at all, but I'm still a little skeptical that this is the big announcement. I think he knows that the UFC is dark right now. Dana's not really going to talk to anybody, at least probably until the pay-per-view week later in this month. So he's got some time to grab some headlines and make it about him. And obviously Michael Chandler wants to stay relevant. So what's the harm of it? But I don't know, man. It just Could you imagine this guy fighting at 185? I just think it's crazy. It's, it is crazy. Why though? I mean, I suppose it's because of health, but if he's going to be completely healthy come June and he can fight then in Las Vegas, why wouldn't he just fight a couple of months before April in Las Vegas? And do you think there's any chance that that's a big grand surprise? Because right now we don't have a main event necessarily, at least an obvious one for UFC 300. Do you think maybe they're teasing us with this Conor McGregor thing? And then we're going to find out actually He's in the main event against Michael Chandler at UFC 300. Or am I just talking that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that the I don't think this is a decoy to fight 300. I think there is something to Connor still kind of punting towards. Hey, I'm not all the way in training camp. We know the guy travels a lot. He's even kind of making a joke right now on Twitter about like I'm out here partying while Michael Chandler is doing CrossFit and all this type of stuff. And I think it's. It's playing to a little bit of, oh, I don't have to really, you know, cut weight for a 185 fight. But no, I think he's serious when he says like a, a, a June, July type of date makes sense for him because I think he wants a 
proper amount of time to promote the fight, to train for the fight, to to actually get into a camp or all that stuff. I don't think there's a swerve here for 300. It might be McGregorless. Maybe it's going to be coming up later on in the show. I think I've got a good enough main event for you. And in fact, I got a whole main card coming up for you at the UFC 300. You can tell me if you like it or you hate it. Then we'll go in our hot tub time machines. We'll remember UFC 200 and then the great night that was UFC 100. Uh, we do know that Leon is going to defend his belt at UFC 300. I assume that's against Bilal. Yeah, one would think. Um, and then you're you're kind of wondering, like, I guess, how many title fights will they do on that night? Will it be a, a triple header of some kind? Because I'm not, you know, all respect to Leon, I don't think off that performance, him versus Bilal feels like it's UFC 300 worthy. I don't know. Maybe we're just putting too much into the number and they're going to go about this as much as a regular card. I mean... You know, hell, the UFC 200 was what Amanda versus Misha Tate because of all the stuff that got messed up that week. Right. Right. So, you know, maybe it's not maybe it's not as important and maybe we're making this out to be much bigger than it is. But it just doesn't feel like Leon versus Bilal is something that can really just stand on its own, especially off of the Leon Colby fight being a bit of a dud and Bilal not exactly being the most thrilling fighter in the world and and. So I'm, I'm very curious. I don't think enough people know about their grudge match with their first fight ending in an eye poke and things like that. So, yeah, it's, it, look, Bilal's worthy of the title shot. Don't get me wrong. I'm just curious if that's enough to just hold up as the thing that you're being attracted to at UFC 300. When you say that, are you talking about it's not going to be the main event? There's no way. There's there's a something tells me that'll be like the honestly, that's got to be the third, if not the fourth best fight. Again, no disrespect to Leon, although or his belt. That can't be it. That has to be the appetizer. There has to be a big piece of steak out there somewhere. And again, I think I've got that for you, and I'll give it to you a little bit later on in the show. Um, Hamzad, dude, did you see the pictures of him? So turns out that he's actually been pretty sick in the hospital, also injured his hand, all kinds of injuries. He's just like snake bit. Huh? Remember, he had the COVID, which got pretty serious also. And if you haven't seen the pictures, check them out. Dude looks like he was on death's doorstep. Yeah, very scary. Like so much so when this was going around uh, MMA Twitter uh, a couple nights ago, I was like, is this old? Like, is this because I've like, is this happening to him again? Like, I was I was very confused by what was going on with all the the Hamzat posts, but not nah, seems like this is something that's happened fairly recently. It is very scary because he is a guy who's talked about retirement before because of how bad covid got him um so you wonder about like hey, if something grabs him again like is he a guy that just you know it, it takes a while because some illnesses hit other people harder it's just even even the best athletes in the world and so you're just hoping that it, it is all the best for him because you know he's coming off of this uh this good performance against Camaro. It was a very spirited fight there's no shame in having a close fight against one of the best welterweights of all time one of the best fighters of all time um but it certainly has some concern just because we know how long the last time he had some health problems, it felt like a, a while for him to get back. So you're very, and he looked pretty frail in the photos. So you're wondering like, how is he going to look to to bounce back from this kind of stuff? What do you think about uh, Hamza? Like if you were to give his career so far a letter grade and you can't say I for incomplete, that's probably what it should be. What would his grade be? Like, 
He hasn't lost a fight. He's scary as hell. Doesn't fight that often. He was kind of a legend out the gates. Like, what is he, a B? He's a B-plus fighter? What is he? Yeah, I think you're going. The only reason, and, and the only reason I think I knock him off of an A is because, you know, he kind of, you ever, like, have a professor who's like, hey, you didn't you didn't sort enough size, uh cite enough sources for uh for for your project here. We gotta knock you in a couple. So like when he shows up to a a one seventy fight and he's pushing light heavyweight, you gotta <laughs> dock him a couple for that one. You know, you didn't you didn't do the assignment you were really supposed to do. But uh other than that, like no, I think he stepped up his competition. He's won. They've been, I think, more closely contested than people thought they would be but that's fine i'm good at if hamzat's fighting tough guys he doesn't have to go and steamroll the likes of gilbert burns and kamar usman those are supposed to be competitive fights those are really really good fighters so it's a uh it's it, it it's not i think a, a glaring hole but it's not enough to get an a it's not enough to get an a like when you when you have uh the the weight issue and you didn't really know what kind of class you wanted to major in got to dock you a couple Oh, I don't know nothing about that. When I had talked to professors, it was like, come on, ma'am. Can I please just get a D? I have to pass this class. I know I've got a 58%. I know I failed the final. But is there any way you could just give me a little bit of grace? I don't know nothing about these A's that you're talking about here. Um, A lot of A's in this guy's name. I can tell you that much. One, two, three. Magomed Ankalaya taking on Johnny Walker, part two, coming up next week. Your early thoughts on that one. We kind of saw that fight a couple of months ago, sort of, not long. I think Johnny Walker wins the fight. I like Anka Live. I don't think my my thoughts have really changed from the time that it was uh, first announced and and getting just the the look and the weirdness of a doctor who was asking you know twenty one questions to Johnny Walker. Hopefully, they don't have that guy back, and they have somebody a little bit more sound who's uh, running the medical team there. But uh, I still like Ankalaev. I still think this is a guy who's got the potential to be champ one day. Um, hasn't been the most thrilling of uh, of rises for him, even though he's been around a while. He certainly is, uh, you know, had some boring fights. He's had some lopsided decisions. He's had some controversy in his fights. So I think Ankalaev uh, is is definitely going to need something very impressive here, just to kind of get people to remember what he is. Johnny Walker, I think everyone's always going to be interested in watching him fight. He's fun. I mean, let's not, you know, he makes love to the camera. He'll do wacky, crazy uh, knockout attempts. Like, you don't He'll need to sell anybody on Johnny Walker. He'll that knock injury. himself out. He'll put himself out with a shoulder injury. He is. I, he's another guy. I can't decide how good of a fighter he is. I always bet on him. I, I never bet against Johnny Walker. I've made some money on him over the years. In fact, I remember us doing a show not that long ago. He, he subbed somebody. I think it was the first sub he had in his career. I was like, I think he's going to choke him out, and he did. So, look, Johnny Walker's fun to bet on. I'm going to bet on him. But you're right. Akalaev is probably the sharp bet to make. Also, a fight announced. Marvin Vittori versus Brendan Allen. That's coming up on April 6th in Las Vegas. I like Marvin Vittori. I love Allen. That guy's a beast. I think he knocks him out. Yeah, I I lean Brennan Allen too. I'm not the biggest Vittori fan in the world, although I think I gotta ease up because I think he's doing some work with my guy Dia Davis down here in uh in Boca. Oh, so you can run into him. I may have to change my tune on Marvin <laughs> Vittori. But listen, hey, I'll tell you one thing though. Look, 
if Marvin is looking for a guy to fix his hands and get his hands sharper, Daya is the guy. I mean, you asked Johnny Eblen, you asked Dustin Poirier. Like, he's as good a boxing coach as it gets. So he is. Uh, he's definitely talking to the right guy. So it might be enough to see what the odds are. I'd imagine Brendan is going to be a favorite going into that one. Um, and he's looked like an absolute stud. I mean, he's been an absolute monster uh, and, and looks like he can get on a real run here. But it will be interesting to see some tweaks to uh, to Marvin's game for sure. So we're going to talk boxing coming up here in a little bit. A bunch of big fights already announced for 2024. Also, you're my boxing guy, so I have some questions about some big names that don't have fights announced. Before we do that, I got a guy that has knockout power. Josh Emmett says he wants Max Holloway. That would be a banger. Huh? And maybe when I give you my UFC 300 card, this is called uh, a little preview. I think this, this, this could and should be on the card. I have no idea which way I'd bet it either. Hard for me to see Max Holloway losing that fight. I just feel like, it, you know, that I just can't imagine Max getting into his wheelhouse where he's going to get hit with a hammer. He's just too good. I mean, he's too versatile a striker. He just seems to keep the volume on at a tough pace. The size, you know, you got John, uh, you got Josh Emmett, who's a stocky looking for that over the right hand bomb. I feel like if you have one weapon, Max Holloway is going to dice you up. Um, so I was Max, Max Holloway, but of course, like, I, I, like you said, like he's a great boxer. He's also got great head movement. I can't remember, remember getting squared up like that. I mean, he got pieced up, not like detonated. I mean, he got pieced up by, uh, by Volk in the third one pretty badly, but a couple of times, no. but not like, not like, not like that. Josh Emmett, it's like a truck. Yeah. It, it, it's like a, it's like a, a, he's got, he's got dynamite in those hands. Um, so you always have the puncher's chance. If you're a guy who like, you know, I'm sure the, the odds will be pretty stacked in against him. So if you want to take a long shot and just think, Hey, over, if it's a three round fight or a five round fight, you know, that one point he can just land one shot that, that ends it. Hey, maybe, maybe that's the case. I just think that Max is a bit of a nightmare for him. Isn't he though? Uh, coming up on the other side, we get out of the octagon and into the boxing ring. What's up with Tank Davis this year and Devin Haney? Spence Crawford, too? Why? Does Fury beat Usyk? Canelo done? We got a lot to discuss on the other side with Brendan Tobin on the Sports Machine, Sean Levine, and this is Tapped Out. back with more tapped out with brendan tobin and sean levine on the betql network and welcome back into the show with producer jake noaker and my co-host brendan tobin 
on the Sports Machine, Sean Levine, coming up in a little while. BT and I will meet in the middle of the ring and fight each other. But right now, let's talk about the real boxers. Fury versus Usyk. That's coming up in a little while. Um, dude, do we still think that Tyson Fury is at the top of his game after we saw that fight versus Francis Ngannou? And if you say yes, I'm going to ask you to please step away from whatever you're drinking because he didn't look right. Either that or Francis Ngannou is a much better fighter than any of us ever knew. It's hard to say that you think he's at the top of his game because of what we saw. It's impossible to ignore. And it's also the thing that has to stand out to everybody is, look, he was supposed to fight Usyk already. And because of the shots that he took from Francis, they delayed the fight. So that leads you to believe that he needed time to recover from a big shot from Francis. Francis is no joke. And, you know, Tyson's been in a lot of big-time fights. When you, you know, share as many rounds as he has with the likes of Francis Ngannou and Deontay Wilder, you know, some of the hardest punchers in combat sports, you do have to wonder, even as big as he is, you know, how much until it starts affecting you. These guys do uh, age, uh, you know, heavyweights typically age a little bit slower than than smaller guys do, but it definitely has to be something that you worry about, especially a guy who relies on skill and, and timing and all that type of stuff. Um, it's a little bit different. So I don't think that we have a guy who looks like he's at the top of his game, but even Tyson Fury at the top of his game might be good enough to beat Alexander Usyk. Well, we were talking about Max Holloway in the last segment, how he never really gets too squared up, right? It feels like Tyson Fury does once a fight, if not twice. Like, how many times has he been knocked down now? I think six, if not seven, if you count Ngannou. This dude is always on his backside. I wonder if he's just been hit one too many times where he still has the skill set, but he's just not as fast. His reaction time's not as much, and that's why I'm putting my money on Usyk when I see the fight. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that is fast. You want to talk about a guy that is athletic. You want to talk about a guy that's body looks much more like you would expect a professionals than Tyson Fury. Now, that hasn't held him back before. If you've just judged Tyson Fury on the eye test, you've lost a lot of money over the years. I'm just saying, I think it's caught up with him, man. It, look, it's possible, man. I don't want to rule it out because certainly the way he looked against Francis, you have to definitely take that account. I do think there's a little bit of he went into that Francis fight. I, I doubt he trained at all for it. I mean, he looked really even sloppier than uh you know Tyson Fury can look typically I think that he looked even you know less in shape than uh than the best the peak Tyson Fury so I think he would train for Usyk a lot uh, a, a lot more strict have a lot more you know discipline going into a matchup like that you mention taking the big shots that's the one thing I would say with Usyk he doesn't have the power of a Francis he doesn't have the power of a Deontay Wilder um, but as we've seen with Andy Ruiz and Anthony Joshua, sometimes it's not just about power. It can be about hand speed. It can be about volume. It can be about overwhelming a guy. So I don't necessarily know if, you know, Usyk chin checks him and puts him to sleep. But, you know, if, if the reflexes aren't quite what they used to be for Tyson Fury, you know, that's definitely a possibility. I think that the one thing with Usyk is he's got a little bit of a vulnerability to the body that I think the other heavyweights he has faced haven't been able to expose. And I think that Tyson Fury, um, he has a, a, a really good game plan usually when he's not taking on when he's not taking on Francis Ngannou. He typically has a great ability to break down his opponents and find their weakness and make their life a living hell. 
but it's it you can't ignore the age you can't ignore the age so if you like the odds on Usyk going into a night like that I don't blame you if you want to put something on him Usyk at underdog money is very tempting all right this is the fight of the year what was supposed to be the fight of the year in 2023 was Terrence Crawford uh, uh was Bud Crawford versus Errol Spence and it just didn't turn out that way right like Bud Crawford, you could argue, won maybe every round but one. I rewatched that fight not too long ago, and that was way more one-sided than the odds told us, right? Like, Bud went in as a slight favorite but not a huge favorite. In the contract, there was an automatic rematch clause, which obviously Spence wanted to evoke because he's going to make a lot more money. It's going to be the same result, though, right? He's going to go out there and get his ass whooped. If not worse. Yeah, I, I think especially worse. just the more. Yeah, it, like especially with the knowledge that Terrence Crawford gets on you and now he knows you even better. And he, you know, you got to remember, like he didn't even like necessarily fight to his strengths. Like he was taking away Errol Spence's best weapon and then using the turn. He basically out jabbed him, out him and all that type of stuff. So for me, um, it sucks that they do have to do a rematch as as great and as amped up as I was for that fight. And I don't, there's not many boxing matches I have been that juiced up for. Dude, I mean, like, we get the answer. The answer was there. We, we know, we know Tyson Fury, uh, Terrence Crawford is way better than Errol Spence. He gets the king of the welterweight era uh, post Floyd Mayweather. There's not a need to see them fight again. So the current pound for pound is Terrence Crawford, no surprise, undefeated, 40-0, 31 knockouts, and we're talking about he beat up on Spence. Then you got Inouye, the monster. That guy's a stud. Usyk's at three. Canelo's at four. Beevil's at five. We'll get into those guys going forward. Let's talk Canelo first. I guess it's David Benavidez next. Last time we saw him was Jermel Charlo. Where do we think Canelo is in 2024? That's a good question. The last time uh, we got really news on that, David Benavidez wasn't really in the cards for May, um, which I remember interviewing him not too long ago. He was pretty pissed about that. It seems like it's going to be uh, Charlo or it's going to be Terrence Crawford is going to be the direction they go in. Possibly Jaime Munguia for his Cinco de Mayo weekend fight. The, the monster fight I think everybody would be crazy to see would be him versus Terrence. I think that's like a super fight, two of the best pound for pound. You know, Terrence obviously taking a big risk to go up three weight classes. Um, and, I, and, and I don't really know for Terrence, I don't know if there's necessarily a, a challenge that really wets his whistle besides that. With Canelo, you know, if he fights Charlo, it'll be a nice you know, lead up, but Jamal Charlo has not been, uh, you know, he's not been very active. He did look pretty good against Benavidez, his brother, his last fight around, but you know, this is a guy who I, if you were to talk about this fight was three years ago, I think people would be very into Canelo fighting him right now. Definitely would probably be the, the least entertaining out of all of them. Munguia is an offensive fighter. That'd be fun, but I don't think a lot of people have the, uh, the household knowledge of him which is totally uh, understandable. And, uh, you know, Benavidez would definitely be, I think, probably the most compelling fight because of his size and his punching volume and 
you know, he's really made some very skillful boxes in Caleb Plant and Demetrius Andrade look very pedestrian and then has put them away. So I'm very interested to see how Canelo handles that challenge. I think that it could be an issue for him. Think Bevel, but a guy who's even more of a dangerous puncher. Um, so if I was Canelo, I would go with Terrence Crawford. I, I feel like that's the the way to go. But, you know, you think about how some guys with their boxing skill set have, have given Canelo headaches. I understand the uh, hesitancy there as well. I wonder whose style would win out because, like you said, Canelo a whole lot bigger. And then you talk about Bud Crawford, I would say faster, especially at this point in his career. Moving up three weight classes, that's what it would be, right? Like, it'd be a huge yeah. fight. It would be a – you talk about a super fight. That would be as big – I think that's probably the biggest fight that you could possibly make in 2024. Give me the odds on that because I was thinking if we saw that, it wouldn't happen until at least the next calendar year. You think we could see that this year? It's been mentioned as one of the finalists, and I think just because of the age of Terrence Crawford, I don't know if Terrence Crawford's going to stick around a year for it. I think that Terrence Crawford's probably looking for maybe one, two more fights and then probably calling it a career. You know, he's a lot older than people think he's been. Yeah, he's, I think, 35, 36. Like, he's. 36. Yeah, he's. So, yeah, he's he's on the other side of it. And I think with Canelo, yes, he has been fighting bigger guys. But he is 5'8", 5'9". He's not tremendously, like, he's not. It won't look, I think, stunning to people in the ring if they were to fight. I think that physically it would it would be a pretty fair matchup. It's just a matter of does Terrence's power translate? Can he bring that up three weight classes? Because Canelo's been in there with light heavyweights. He's been in there training with or fighting with Alexa like Sergey Kovalev and has knocked him out. So that's going to be the interesting thing. Could Bud actually go out there and finish uh, Canelo Alvarez? I'm not sure, but I, I think certainly he's got the uh, the boxing skills to to get it done and win a decision. Hey, speaking of finished, is Deontay Wilder done? So just a couple of weeks ago, nobody was watching because it was in the middle of the night. I don't even know where it happened. He lost to UD to Joseph Parker. I mean, it feels like Deontay Wilder, he still has the name, but he doesn't have the game. And we talked about 36 years old. This dude's going to be 39 years old the next time he fights. Yeah, I think it is probably time for Deontay to retire just because the only thing that really I think was left for him to do was to fight AJ, Anthony Joshua. And Anthony Joshua looked really good in his performance against Otto Valin. They fought on the same card. The plan was for them to fight in the spring. If they both won, they did not. I just don't know really where Deontay goes from here um, because he's got the problem of He's not the most skilled boxer in the world. He's got to rely on the home run ball, and I think he's a little bit of an easier puzzle to figure out on some of these guys. They kind of have the game plan to stay away from him. Now, Joe Parker's not a slouch. I mean, Joe Parker is a former champion and, you know, has probably been like on the tier below all of these uh, names that you know of Tyson Fury and AJ and Deontay Wilder and Usyk. He's probably the contender that's like right below there with like a Dillian White and things like that. But if you're Deontay Wilder and you're getting the the doors blown off you by, you know, essentially a gatekeeper, what's left for you to do? That's, I mean, unless probably a super fight with Francis. I think that's probably the only thing that would make sense. Just a couple of years ago, he was the face of boxing. And now, well, Tank Davis tells us that he's the face of boxing. I guess Devin Haney this year, 2024. 
I would be skeptical of that fight happening. Uh, it sounds like Devin and Ryan Garcia are really working towards a fight. Ooh, and there's I'm momentum in. there. That'd be, dope. I'm in, that'd be fun. I think that Devin would uh, box his socks off, but I think that uh, it'd still be a fun lead up. Javante uh, is interesting, man, because Javante, he really is one of the rare guys that can fill a building, and it doesn't matter who he fights. And so he could fight an Isak Cruz again, who kind of gave him all he could handle. He could kind of avenge that. And Give I think still beat him. makes him Cruz beat him. I'm bitter. I had money on well, that's Cruz. You, that's because you, like you bet on Cruz. Dude, yeah. Well, you well, watched Cruz, the fight. It was close. It was very close. No, it was very close. It, it, it was very close, but it was a last-minute replacement. So I do think Gervonta would probably do better the next time around. Um, but, you know, I don't know how many people are into watching him fight Isak Cruz again. I don't know. I mean, I think that people want to see him fight the Devin Haney's. They want to see him fight you know, bigger names are the, the Shakur Stevensons. They want to see him maybe fight a Lomachenko, you know, and I don't, I just don't think that uh, an Isak Cruz rematch gets anybody going, but Javante has the luxury of, because he's such an exciting show, people will still tune in to watch him because he delivers exciting knockouts. Honestly, he'd beat up all those dudes that you just said. And coming up next, sorry, buddy, I'm beat you up. The segment's called, you're going to fight me. Keep it right here on the BetQL Network. Step into the cage with Brendan Tobin in Are You Gonna Fight Me? I'm gonna fight your ass. Here on Tapped Out. That's right, fight me like a man. Only on the BetQL Network. You know the rules. I want a good, clean fight. When I tell you to break, I want you to step back up my command and break. Now go back to the corner and come out fighting at the bell. What's good in the neighborhood? Welcome back into the show. It is Tapped Out with Brendan on the Sports Machine. Time to fight, my guy. Love you, but we got to do it. Your guy, Jorge Masvidal, tweeted, unretired or exed. Unretired. I don't even know how you're supposed to say that. Um, I just rewatched on this television set behind me that is right now acting as a fireplace, the Colby Covington-Jorge Masvidal fight. I also rewatched Colby's last fight where he really didn't do much of anything against Leon. Are you going to fight me if I say, if he really does unretire, and if he was to fight Colby again, I think Masvidal would be the favorite. Um, I am going to fight you on that. I don't think that he would be the favorite. Um, just because Colby's grappling, you know, Masvidal does have an Achilles heel there, and they know each other very well. Um, but I, I look, I definitely think that you look at what Colby just brought to the table. Like maybe he thinks that there is a better path this time around. Um, 
But man, for me, I, I don't even know if I want to see that fight again. It wasn't very competitive. I get all the drama that has uh, happened in the lead up to it. It happened in the aftermath to it. I just feel like it ends badly. It all, it all just no, seems no, to end no, badly. No, 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 opposite. Dude, they both need it now more than ever. And look, I mean, Mazadal's retired technically, so we'll see if he ever comes back to the UFC. And Colby is definitely on Dana's S list right now. I don't think he's ready to throw him in the octagon anytime soon. This would be a perfect matchup. I don't know, man. I just tired. Like, I want to see Masvidal. If I want to see Masvidal in a fight, I want to see him in there with a the slugger. You know, I want to. I don't want to see somebody take Masvidal down. Like, let's see Masvidal. I'm so off Colby too. Not I'm so off Colby. Like that was just <laughs> that was a, that was a special kind of bad. I never expected him to come out there and look like Tyron Woodley, where he was just gun shy for that many rounds. His whole thing is cardio and punches and punches, and he was neither. If I was Masvidal. The fight I would go for would be Ian Gary. I think it would be a monster fight. A Ian monster Gary fight. Would whoop his ass. Would whoop his Probably. ass. Yeah, listen, he might, but if I'm Masvidal, I like my chances in a strike, another striker. He's a young buck. He kind of got the old school. And if you beat him and Leon stays champion, then, of course, you got three-piece in a soda for the, for the belt down the line. So I think that Masvidal beating Colby Covington, I don't think that gets him back to the title. I think that if you beat some young killer, that I think it's kind of like my my uh, formula for Wonder Boy. It's like you got to beat a young killer who nobody thinks you can beat, and then all of a sudden you're back in line and people will be like, all right, I want to see him maybe fight for the title next. So that would be the, the plan I hope Masvidal would go, but I think you're probably right in that grudge match is the easiest way to go. Paul Felder says Patty Pimblett, couldn't beat any ranked lightweight right now. And after his last performance against Tony Ferguson, unable to finish another fighter, I agree with Felder. Not only is Patty overrated, he's not good enough to be ranked. He couldn't beat any of those dudes. Uh, all right. So, like, how far back do you want to go? Did he say top – so he means top 15? Like, he's going to beat any 15. of the top 15 yeah. guys. Patty's not a top 15 fighter. Patty is a – I understand why it took him so long to come over to the UFC. Like, there was this great backstory that he refused to come over a couple of times and he wanted to get more season. I think the truth is he just wasn't ready. And now that we've seen him, let's face it, he hasn't exactly fought the who's who. Jared Gordon's not a great fighter. Tony Ferguson's at the end of his career. And Patty Ferguson and Patty Pimblett, he can't take care of any of these guys. Dan Hooker. There you go. Number nine. That makes sense. Gamrock? That makes a lot of sense. No. Gamrock Gamrock would eat kill him. him, yeah. He'd kill him. He'd kill him. He'd uh, Benny. Benil Daryush. Uh, I could see that working. I could see that work. I think Benny Fazeev would, would kill him. Fazeev would, Fazeev kill, would him. kill him. Fazeev would kill him. Fazeev, Fazeev would kill him. Who else we got? This is fun. <laughs> uh, all right. Here's your top five. Michael Chandler. I think Michael would okay, probably yeah. kill him. He's got to fight anyway. Uh, Sarukian, Sarukian would kill him. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Poirier would kill him. Poirier'd kill him. Gaethje would kill him. Oh god! <laughs> Gaethje getting a Patty Pimblet. What? Oh my! Oliveira would kill him. So yeah, I think Paul Felder is probably right. Most of the top ten would probably kill him. Maybe Dan Hooker. Maybe Benil Daryush. They would all destroy him. Speaking of top 10 fighters, 
uh, UFC 299 in Miami. Cheeto versus Sean yes. O'Malley in the main event. I will say the most likely outcome, if you ask me, is an O'Malley knockout. Probably like in the... It doesn't take him too long. Give me O'Malley's second round knockout. You going to fight me? I haven't even, I mean, I don't know if they, they don't have method odds out this early, but I would guess once we get to fight week, I would guess that O'Malley by decision is going to be the biggest uh, sure. favorite and most likely. And I would say that's probably, Cheeto's a tough guy to finish. Um, I don't like how he's fought these last few fights, you know, since he's gotten the head kicks against Frankie Edgar and Dom Cruz. Like, I didn't like how he went against Corey Sandhagen, and I don't think that he could fight that way against Sean O'Malley. Thankfully, he's been in there, so maybe he knows this. I do think that Cheeto has to be aware that he's got to hit the, the, the gas pedal a little bit quicker. You know, he's going to, and in a way, like, I don't know if the five rounds benefits him or hurts him. Because it's like you have that wiggle room to feel out Sean O'Malley and then go. But then, like, does he hold back too much like he did against Sanhagen? Or in a three-round fight, would it just be too quick and he'd have to get a knockout? So um, I think that Sean should be the favorite. I think that Sean O'Malley, by decision, is probably the most likely scenario, not him by knockout. But I think Cheeto's got to fix some things going into this matchup, man, even with him having the win over Sean. You're right. Cheeto's a slow starter historically. That's not, he turns it on though. And we've seen him turn it on late and kick some guys in the head and finish him. The Sandhagen fight, he never did. The Sandhagen fight, he looked like Colby Covington in his last fight. He didn't do anything. He just stood around for, and that was a five round fight also, right? He just stood yeah, around the entire that was. night. And Sandhagen dominated him, which is kind of weird if we're being honest, that Cheeto gets the fight over a guy like Sandhagen. But it makes sense because Cheeto's beat him before. He's a bigger name. And it's just going to be weird. What if he wins? What if Marlon Vera wins? Then what? Automatic rematch? That's a good question. I mean, why? Because he would have two wins over O'Malley, right? Like, they would definitely yeah, want him in I there, mean, but it's a bit of a weird situation. Like, typically, if, a, if, <laughs> if you have a win, if you have two wins over a guy, you know, like, that's that's odd. Because I don't know if I can see a scenario where Marlon wins uh, a decision i would think he'd have to knock him out so for him to have a finish over o'malley man that's just but i mean don't pretend like it little, doesn't happen that's like we we saw we saw volk up 2-0 on max max got a third shot we saw john jones up 2-0 on dc and dc was took going time to though what's up took time though like it took yeah. time though like it's not like they got it immediately like you're gonna get some you're you're gonna get him to fight probably i would guess um hell what the hell's the dude's name from uh best uh best friend why am i blanking on this marab he's gonna have to fight marab like probably right away marab might beat him so his reign might not be that long but you know if he beats a man that's a uh that's crazy i mean like it's it's a scenario that's why but i would love to see it because he's just one of the realest dudes like you want to talk about a feel-good story of guys winning the belt he would definitely be one of them Bro, you're going to be in the house for it down in Miami. All right, let's go from 299 to 298, where the main event is Volkanovski back in the octagon versus Ilya Taporia. I think Taporia wins, man. You know how much I love Volk. He's come on the show before. I hardly ever bet against him. But here's my theory. Taporia is no scrub. Even though it feels like he's kind of come out of nowhere, he beat Ryan Hall. 
He beat Bryce Mitchell. He beat Josh Emmett. Like, he's worked his resume up pretty good, where I think Volkanovski is obviously a big step up. But Volkanovski coming off the loss that he just had, who knows what version we're going to see. I think all the arrows are pointing towards Taporia as an underdog. Look, this has been the uh, this has been the year of the the long reigning champion losing their crown. You know, like we've seen it with Stylebender, we've seen it with Kamaru. Usman. Like these, yeah, Usman. These, the, yeah, these Moreno. these reigns have come to an end, and so it's it's set up for that. I'm still like in this spot where it's like, am I really gonna kill Volk? for losing a fight against Islam on 10 days notice and think that he's not going to be the king at featherweight still. I'm not. I just think he's too smart a fighter. Um, I think that he's got so many ways to hold off his opponents, to beat his opponents. You're not going to submit him. So is Taporia going to knock out Volkanovski? I don't think I'm ready to say that, man. So I'm still sticking with Volk to keep his belt. But if it happens... I'm at just the point right now where I'm getting less and less shocked by this stuff because we're just seeing these young killers come through and and uh, and be able to dethrone the Kings. And then at 297, that's in Toronto, main event, Drakus Duplessis versus Sean Strickland. You can fight me if I say, that's the night we find out who Sean Strickland really is. I'm not sure if he just had a perfect night versus Izzy or if he goes out there and pieces up Duplessis then I'm ready to say he just leveled up. But you're going to fight me if I say, I don't really think anybody knows who the fighter Sean Strickland is just yet. I am going to fight you on that just because I think the more interesting question is who is Drakus Duplessis? Like, I think that's the the interesting case. I think we know who Sean O'Malley is. I mean, Sean Strickland is. I think we know that, you know, this guy is a very, very good striker, is a bit unorthodox to take on. Um He's got his method of being at a at a distance that he's very comfortable at that a lot of guys aren't. He'll bring that pressure at all times. He's not very easy to hit cleanly. It has happened before. We have seen him lose to the likes of Jared Cannonier. We've seen him get knocked out by Pajeda, so I don't think he's invincible. Um, I think he's got his warts for sure, but I think that Drakus is going to be the interesting one because what happens is th if this fight goes a little bit longer, what happens that he can't dictate and bully like he has been. And then um, where does he go from there? Obviously, there's going to be a lot of, you know, bad blood in the lead up to this. We've already seen these guys attack each other uh, verbally, physically. So it's definitely got a lot more juice to it going into this uh, car than it did a month ago. Drakus also likes to bring the pressure. You got a guy in Sean Strickland. Strickland's the most laid-back champion I've ever seen. You know what I'm saying? Like, the way that he fights, he almost looks like he's in there fighting his six-year-old nephew or he's not worried about it at all. He can just keep him at distance. And then whenever he turns it on, man, he turns it on. But it, that's another one where I wonder whose style is going to play out. Ah. I love both these guys because I've made a ton of money over the last couple of years on Duke Plus. He, he's always an underdog. He's going to be, I think, a slight one on fight night, but I'm betting Strickland. Where's your money going? I think Strickland, just because I, I do think that he's he is peaking a little bit. Um, but yeah, he's he's a he's a wild card, man. Like, 
you know, the things that he says, the way that he acts, the the his method to fighting is weird. Like he says jujitsu is trash and throws belts into the garbage just to poke fun at people. Um, because he doesn't really like he just fights, you know, like he just he's he's good at fighting. He doesn't seem like he's put the art in it at all. Like he's kind of just got the ruggedness to it, but um I think it's a pretty even fight, man. I do think it's a tough one to pick. I think I'm leaning Strickland, though. Now that we're here in 2024, all this UFC 300 talk, yo, it's getting real. We're now three months and change away from the card that we've all been waiting for, and we're still waiting on some announcements. So I've got some ideas. We'll talk about it on the other side. It's tapped out.
back with more Tapped Out with Brendan Tobin and Sean Levine on the BetQL Network. Wrapping things up here on Tapped Out with BT on the Sports Machine. UFC 300 is now just a few months away. We've got some fight announcements. They're all right. They're okay. So far, we've got Calvin Cater versus Aljamain Sterling. To me, that's probably the one that's best so far announced. Rockage versus Prohoshka and Bo Nickel versus Cody Brundage. Before I tell you about some ideas that I have for UFC 300, let's just take a look back in the old memory machine. Let's go back first to UFC 200. What do you remember about Mark Hunt versus Brock Lesnar, the Battle of the Beasts? Uh, I just remember how funny it was that, you know, you had a, a, a card that was kind of ruined by performance enhancing drugs, but also had Brock Lesnar on it. <laughs> and I didn't, think, didn't, I think Mark Hunt ended up suing the UFC afterwards because Brock sure Lesnar popped for, uh, for something. I don't know what it was, but he popped for something. Um, so yeah, I remember that. I remember that it ended up being uh, Amanda Nunes and and kind of the start of her run because she choked out Misha Tate. And um, I mean, honestly, I I just feel like it's one of those cards. I remember the ugly ass yellow canvas. Yeah. And I re- and I uh, and I just remember it being ruined because no John Jones DC and DC ended up fighting Silva right, and that was not a good fight. No, nah, DC beat up on Silva. He was supposed to fight John Jones. Found out like a couple of days before that wasn't going to work. It was a little bit, I would say, underwhelming. I think that's fair to say. Uh, only because we expected to see John versus DC in the main event. Let's go back to the UFC 100 where, now that was a card. I mean, that was Brock Lesnar versus Frank Mir. Unbelievable fight. That was GSP, Tiago Alves, and that was... The shot heard around the world. That was when Dan Henderson knocked out Michael Bisping. What do you remember about that night? Oh man! Well, I remember I was in college. Uh, I was at the sports sports grill down in uh, what the hell was it called? It was down in North Miami by Barry University. My boys and I, we all went to uh, to the bar to go watch this. I actually was just like getting into UFC at that point, you know, between like Slicer and the three hundred five and. Um, you know, watching some of those like Elite XC cards and all that and uh, Fedor. And this is like really like the era where I really started just getting into it. My boy, uh, Alex Dono, who was like, he was a junkie into MMA. He's like, oh, you got to watch this guy, John Jones. He's like, he's the dude. And so there were a lot of people I was looking forward to watching. But the Henderson, uh, the Henderson knockout on Bisbing is like what I'm always going to remember from that. Hey, if you're going to shout out your boys, I was at the Ameristar Casino in North Kansas City with my boy Ryan Shivedog Shively, and we made like a friendly wager on the fight, and we ended up getting into a huge fight ourselves because I was, I don't know why I got so upset with my boy. I thought Dan Henry, I wasn't upset about the knockout. I was upset about what I thought was a cheap shot afterwards. But like you said, I was just kind of getting into the sport. I didn't know the backstory between Hendo and bisbing and so now i'm like hey that's the game as they say super necessary super necessary did you i didn't also brock lesnar after beating frank mir didn't he like didn't he like i don't remember if it was who the sponsor was i think it was bud light but he's like bud light sucks somebody get me a cores and i was just like what like this is this is like he definitely turned it back like into wrestling it was it was he wild was mad. 
he was mad because he wanted individual Bud Light sponsor money and they wouldn't give it to him, even though they were the main sponsor. I think they were in the middle of the cage. And so he said, he took the microphone afterwards with Joe Rogan and he said, I'm drinking a Coors Light. <laughs> and yeah, that didn't make UFC <laughs> too happy. Um, here's my ideas for UFC 300 before we wrap up the show. All right. I would, and you can tell me which one of these you think should be the main event or if we should just scrap it and come up with something else. All right. I think that first, Grosso versus Wei Li has to happen. The women's game right now is, I would say, down for the first time. For the, for, It hasn't been like this since Ronda Rousey came in 10-plus years ago. Like They're struggling for superstars, and I get it. They'd have to figure out for whose belt, what weight class, and all that stuff. But that's got to go down, right? Um... I don't know if that's the magic, but I don't necessarily disagree with you that I think that the women's division is a little bit lacking. It needs a little bit of a jolt. Uh, Grasso beating Shevchenko was still cool. I, I very much enjoyed her getting that win. I thought that was an awesome moment because Shevchenko still, I think, had like that aura of invincibility around her. Um, big jump for Wei Lee, though, if she was to do that. That'd be a that'd be a crazy thing if she was able to go and win at that weight class. But uh, I don't hate it. All right, you don't hate it. How about Josh Emmett versus Max Holloway? Do you hate it? Do you love it? And I think that's probably like the maybe it's not the main, it's not the co-main, it's probably not even in the hole. It's batting cleanup. Like to me, that's the fourth best fight at UFC 300. I was going to ask you before you did this. Um, are the three fights that announced, are you assuming that any of these are on the main card? Like Cater versus Sterling, you're assuming is on the main card, yeah? We're calling it a five-fight main card. Let's say, yeah, say it's a five-five fight main card. Are you assuming that's on the main card, or are you saying that's a prelim? Or these dead are your, honest, you have the main card? Yeah, dead honest. Three? I want. I just want to know what your plan. I want to know your plan here. Like, are you giving me five fights that are the main card, and these fights that we already know are on the pre's? Is that how we're going with this? Yeah, everything I got, in my opinion, is better than Cater versus Aljo. But Cater versus Aljo to gotcha. me. Should be the the feature prelim like UFC 300. You better stack this damn thing if you, especially because mm -hmm. look at UFC 299. That's a big card, big name. Sean O'Malley. There's good card fighters up and down that essentially you could have used at 300. They gotta figure out something. Anyway, um, um. Right. Anyway, I do love the fight. I mean, Max versus Emmett's a great matchup. Um, you know. It's it, it it's it seems impossible that it's a boring fight, so I think it'd be awesome to add to it. All right, I also think as long as he's healthy, because Hamzat looked terrible the last time we saw him. How about Hamzat and the return of Israel Adesanya at UFC 300? And that's the one to me that probably has the most cachet to be a main event if they can make it work. Oh, agreed. Um, that's a that's a great fight that doesn't even need a belt. Um, would be awesome. Um, and it was great to hear Style Bender recently say that he is thinking of coming back soon because it did sound like after his loss of Strickland that maybe we were going to go like 12 months without him. So, and it, it, you know, I'm glad that he's taken some time because he's always been a very active champion. So, you know, get some time, but it's nice to know like he's this guy loves to fight. And I think that he knows that he's still really good and can get back in there and. And him versus Hamzad is absolutely a, a main event quality fight. I, I don't know if, uh, 
you know, they won't find a championship fight to put up top, whether it be, you know, Islam or Leon, whatever. But man, Hamza versus Izzy, that's that's a that's an awesome fight. Until you just mentioned that, I forgot. So Leon will be defending his belt at UFC 300. So you have to throw him somewhere on that main card. How about Gaethje versus a healthy Charles Oliveira? Um, are you nuts? It's a good, a good it's a fight. Good to fight him. But, but why is why doesn't he get to fight Islam? Like I don't understand. What is Gaethje like? Why isn't Gaethje getting the title shot? I feel like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense for Gaethje. Like I feel like he should get the the nod to fight Islam Makhachev for the championship. He won. He knocked out uh Dustin Poirier via head kick one of the best knockouts of the year so I don't understand why if he's gonna fight why isn't Gaethje getting a title shot do you think Gaethje would beat Islam no okay then that's why tune up tune up that's what they call him <laughs> um you mentioned Poirier we'll get out of here with this and this would take some logistics Poirier versus Nate Diaz has been talked about for longer than we've been doing this radio show, and it's been a few years now. Nate's currently right now not under contract, but we still got a few months to figure that out. Poirier versus Nate Diaz, that feels like a, not the co-main, but like third in line. You like that one? Oh, I love that fight. Definitely uh, would be a fun build-up. There's not many guys who I think would really get a, a rise out of Dustin Poirier outside of McGregor, and I think that he's genuinely been bothered that him and Nate never got to fight so i think that that would be a great matchup um i think dustin would kill him but i'd still be into seeing nate diaz make his return um nate being back in the fold with the ufc feels like they would you know vault him right to conor mcgregor because they don't want him to lose again even though he did just lose to jake paul so i would assume that his next fight would be against conor win lose or draw for the michael chandler fight and that's kind of be going to be connor's swan song uh but if he fights dustin poirier man I'm, I'm into that matchup that's fun i just think that dustin will dust him though it's all about timing also because volk will have just fought so we won't see him at 300 same thing with o'malley mcgregor's fighting in june at least according to him and then john's not going to be back for a while so that's figured out with some of their stars and the timing of all of it one last thing any chance we would see masvidal tweeted x unretired could he be on that card? Oh, definitely. I mean, look, he's one of the biggest pay-per-view draws in the sport. So, sure. yeah, why not? Like, that's 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 definitely one I think they could do again. They could do him and Diaz again. And I think that that would, you know, bring a lot of eyeballs to the sport. Um, for sure. If, if Masvidal fought on 300, no matter who you put him in, that's, that's a big boost to the card. I'm just curious out of your makeup here though so your main event is going to be izzy versus hamzat or are you looking and making the leon Bilal the championship default is the main event i think i would go izzy hamzat the main event obviously no title on the line like so that. it makes it a little goofy and then i'd have leon in the co-main i would have poirier and nate as third i would have gaichi Oliveira following that up and then i would probably have that emmett and holloway opening the main card then you got to throw Alexa Grasso versus Zhang Wei Li. Okay, dude, Mike, this is the card. I just did Dana's work for him. That is because there's a list, and you go ahead. I don't know if he did his work for him, but it's a good idea. It's a good start. I like it. 
You're such a jerk. He is Brendan Tobin. Thank you to my producer. Much nicer guy than you, Jake Noaker. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. We'll be back next week talking more fighting and making some more money together right here, tapped out on the BetQL Network.